Hello, my name is Wang Yan, and I am a reporter with News China. With our weekly News China podcast, we aim to give insight into the trends and happenings in modern China through a historical lens. Today, we discuss why and how some famous Asian scholars lived in seclusion either before or after they were deeply involved in reality in ancient China. Our previous podcast discussed some of the ancient hermits that feature in the Palace Museum's figure paintings across the ages exhibition. They gave up political pursuits right from the start and never wavered. But unlike them, most hermit scholars depicted in the exhibition were deeply involved in politics in some way. In our previous podcast, we learned how Prince Bo Yi and his brother Shu Qi gave up their crowns and tried to stop King Wu of the Western Zhou rebelling against their Shang sovereign about 3,000 years ago. Meanwhile, Jiang Ziya, who was thought to be one of the smartest Asian strategists, was ready to help King Wu defeat the Shang army. It was said that he went fishing with a hook and line at the Wei River in today's Shanxi province in China's northwest, but he only dangled an empty hook above the water with no bait. While he was fishing like this, he said to himself, I am just waiting for fish that is willing to rise to my bait. This strange behavior finally attracted the attention of King Wu's father, King Wen. The king talked with him and found that he was the right person to help the king fulfill his ambition of toppling the sovereign. Although Jiang was already 80 when King Wen died, Jiang became chief commander of the Zhou army and led them to prevail. More than 800 years after Jiang Ziya helped the Zhou founders seize the crown, another four old men helped the prince keep his crown. After Liu Bang set up the Han dynasty in the late 3rd century, he wanted to replace his second son Liu Ying with his favorite son Liu Ruyi as crown prince. Many of his officials opposed this, as it was against the rules to dismiss crown prince who did not do anything wrong. Liu Bang hesitated. Liu Ying's mother, the Empress, invited four senior prestigious scholars to be the aides and teachers of her son. The four scholars enjoyed a high reputation for their learning and integrity. They had been living in seclusion for decades on a mountain called Shang in today's Shanxi province. Liu Bang was surprised to see the four old men, all in their 80s, at a court banquet. He had invited them several times to serve his empire, but they always refused. So he asked them why they accepted the offer of the crown prince. They answered that it was because the emperor was always arrogant and gentleman, but the crown prince was always modest and kind to everyone. Liu Bang realized that the crown prince held much more support of influential people than the other candidate. He had to let go of the idea of changing his crown prince. Liu Ying became the second emperor of the Han. For Jiang Ziya and the four old men, 
They lived in seclusion just to wait for the right time to realize their political ambitions. In Jiang Ziya's case, the lifestyle was even used as a bait to hook the king. In other cases, living in seclusion was the only choice for scholars whose political dreams were shattered. The most famous Asian reclusive scholar in China is probably Tao Yuanming, who lived from the late 4th century to the early 5th century in the Eastern Jin dynasty. He is known as the founder of pastoral poetry in ancient China. Serving as a lowly official from his 20s, he was unhappy with his work, as he did not want to flatter corrupt senior officials. He resigned and took new assignments several times before he finally decided to retreat from politics when he was 40. Some 80 days after he took office, as magistrate of Pengzhe County into this Jiujiang city, Jiangxi province, he resigned. He returned to his hometown, Xunyang, also in today's Jiujiang city. For 22 years, he refused several offers of government positions from his friends. He wrote many poems about how he enjoyed working on the land and cultivating chrysanthemums. He wrote an essay about a hidden village in a cave at the end of a peach blossom forest. Villagers said their ancestors settled there to avoid the wars at the end of the Qing dynasty several hundred years earlier. They had no idea about the changes in the world outside the cave and enjoyed a peaceful and harmonious life on the beautiful farmland. It is actually an imaginary ideal world that Tao Yuanming envisioned. Later, this hidden valley that Tao described became a synonym for Shangri-La. Apparently, it was not Tao's first choice to become a hermit, as he did seek success in his political career in his early years. Sometimes, this lifestyle was the only choice for a scholar to defend his dignity and life from political pressure and it could be dangerous. About 100 years before Tao Yuanming was born, seven scholars drank together in a bamboo grove at Yuntai Mountain near Luoyang City, today's Henan province. They indulged in drinking to excess, singing songs and creating poems. They snubbed Confucianism and any norms that thought constrained human natures. They were known as the seven stages of the bamboo grove. The times they were in were dark and chaotic. The three kingdoms, the Wei, Shu, and Wu, fought against each other for years. Within the Wei kingdom, where they lived, there was a relentless power struggle between the royal family and the Sima family. It was already an open secret the Sima family was planning to usurp the throne from the young and weak last two emperors of the Wei founded by Cao Cao. It was common that scholars and officials obsessed with alcohol and obscure philosophical conversations would forget the dark reality and avoid political risks. But the Sima family needed the support of influential scholars to legitimize their claim to the throne. The seven sages set out on different paths under this pressure. 
three of them, Ran Ji, Xiang Xiu, and Ran Xian, took low-level positions. They did not want to either offend or cooperate with the Sima family. A fourth, Liu Ling, took to drinking all day, often naked. He said the sky and the earth were his house, and the house was his clothes. He kept himself safe and away from politics in this way. The fifth, Wang Rong, became a senior official after the Sima family usurped the throne. He got rich, but became greedy and stingy. The sixth, Shen Tao, was a cousin of Sima Zhao, the leader of the Sima family, so he joined the Sima camp. After his position was elevated, he invited the last of the seven, Ji Kang, to take his former position. Ji Kang replied with a letter breaking off his friendship with Shen. He compared Shen Tao's offer to an invitation of a chef who needed an assistant. If I accept your offer, he said, I would also have to hold a knife and have my hands tainted with a bad smell. His letter was like an open challenge to the Sima family, and he was very influential among intellectuals. Sima Zhao felt deeply offended. Two years later, Ji was embroiled in a false acquisition case with his friends and executed by Sima Zhao. Ji Kang and Liu Ling were the only two real reclusive scholars who never yielded to political pressure and being bought. As the seven stages showed, living in seclusion did not necessarily mean a simple or even poor life. Living in seclusion did not necessarily mean living in mountains or villages, either. In the early 16th century, during the Ming Dynasty, a 30-year-old man decided to give up his ambition of seeking a political career. He wandered around the country, drinking heavily. He was a leecher and sought out prostitutes. His name was Tang Wohu. One of the four most talented literatee of the Ming Dynasty. Before that, he also enjoyed heavy drinking and sex, but he held the ambition of a bright political career and the prospects of realizing his dream were high. He had always been the champion of the local imperial exams. He went to the capital Beijing for the national exam at the age of 30. He and nearly everyone who knew him believed he would be one of the most successful candidates. In the capital, Tang and his friend Xu Jing, a rich scholar, would visit two officials who were also prestigious scholars. The two officials appreciated the two candidates very much. Later, the two officials happened to be appointed as lead examiners by the emperor. The exam was very difficult that year, and only a few scholars got to the end. Tan and Xu were among them. Before the result was announced, they kept telling people that they would pass the exam and even win the championship. Other candidate scholars were jealous and frustrated. They accused one of the lead examiners, Cheng Mingzheng, of leaking the test questions to Tang and Xu before the exam. The emperor ordered an investigation. There was no clear evidence of fraud as the exam papers of Tang and Xu were not reviewed by Cheng, although Tang and Xu confessed they gave Cheng money. Public opinion was not appeased. All three were punished. Cheng was dismissed and died only four days after being released from detention. The official registration 
of Tang Xu as scholars was revoked. They were no longer allowed to take part in the exam and not officially recognized as scholars. It was not clear whether Tan Xu really gave money to the lead examiner, as they were tortured during the investigation. Tang was so depressed that he decided to give up his pursuit of political career. He spent the rest of his life drinking and leching. He had to live by selling his calligraphy and paintings as well as the support of his friends. His creativity was also unleashed in the crazy lifestyle. His obsession with drinking and sex damaged his reputation when he was eager to pursue a political career when he was young, but the same obsession added bright color to his image as a hermit genius later. A drama which began to circulate during the Ming Dynasty talked about how he courted Qiu Xiang, a housemaid of a senior official, with his talents and passion. In 1993, a blockbuster comedy starred by Stephen Chow and Gong Li depicted this romance. In the film produced by a Hong Kong production company, Tang was even a Kung Fu master. Actually, there was no affair between Tang and the lady, and Tang divorced his wife after he decided to give up his political ambitions. He definitely was not a martial artist, but there was a grain of truth in the film. Like in the film, Tang has always impressed people as a brilliant, romantic genius right up until now. Why do scholars think the times of the seven sages choose to live in seclusion, usually after they lost the hope of developing political career? An important reason was that for about 1,700 years, the identity as a scholar had to be officially endorsed, and it was the most important way for a man to realize the dream of either building a better life for his family or serving the country, or both. The identity became a privilege and honor for ancient Chinese scholars. In the early 3rd century, the Wei Kingdom adopted a hierarchical bureaucracy system in which intellectuals constituted the majority of civil servants. Since then, their political status was passed down through the generations. They got much better education than ordinary groups. They did not marry outside this educated class. All the seven sages were from this stratum of society. The hereditary power of families in politics and culture was much weakened in the constant wars and social unrest over the following hundreds of years. But they were still strong. Their support could make or break a regime. In the early 7th century, Emperor Yang of the Sui decided to further undermine the dominance of the strong families in politics and culture to strengthen his sovereign power. He promoted the imperial exam system to select civil servants. It made it possible for men from a humble family to move up the social ladder. For example, if Tang Bohu could pass the imperial exam, he could attain a much higher social status than his father, who owned a small restaurant. By the first half of the 11th century during the Northern Song Dynasty, passing the imperial exam to serve the imperial government had become the most important mission, opportunity, and glory for a scholar. It remained so till the early 20th century, right before the collapse 
of China's last imperial dynasty, the Qing. In this social contest, it was natural that Tao Yuanming, the seven sages of the bamboo grove, and Tang Bohu all held political dreams. It also explains why Tang Bohu felt so humiliated that he decided to give up all his dreams when his identity as a scholar was officially revoked. For Tao Yuanming, Ji Kang and Liu Ling, a good political career meant much more than a chance of a better life for themselves, but more importantly, a chance of contributing to build an ideal society like the hidden village. They would rather retreat from politics when they realized it was not possible for them to do anything to build an ideal society in a chaotic time. As Mencius once noted, a gentleman should help build a better life for all people when he himself is successful, and should keep a high moral standard for himself when he is not able to help others. Today, many young people in big cities proclaim they want to live right, which means to give up working hard for their dreams. Yet, they would not be a hermit scholar if they lived in ancient China. As all our Hermes in these two podcasts showed, Hermes scholars have to be famed for their talents or integrity before choosing to lie flat. That is end of our podcast. Thank you to our writer Song Yiming, editor and translator Li Jia, and copy editor Kathleen Nadi. We hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. See you next week.